I want to make sure you heard the leper's plea in that video. He, he falls on his knees before Jesus. And in the video, he says, please don't turn away from me. You need to hear that. We need to hear the depths of that. Because all this man has known since contracting leprosy, all he's ever known since that moment he was diagnosed is people turning away. Turning away in disgust at his disease and his disfigurement. He has been an outcast. He has been literally cast out. Cast out of his home. Cast out of his family. Cast out of his community. All he has known is people turning away. And this is something that you and I need to understand if we are to understand leprosy in, in that setting, and if we are to understand this story, if we are to understand Jesus and His promises. In our world, you know, in our world, you develop a disease, you go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a, a diagnosis, you, you get some medicine, you, you get a prescription, and hopefully, hopefully you get well. That's not the world that Jesus was born into and that is not the view of leprosy leprosy was not just a disease that you got medicine for and you got better this was an affliction from god and only god could heal leprosy only god could heal leprosy hear that as the beggar as, as the leper begs jesus please don't turn away from me the prescription not the prescription for the leper, but the prescription for leprosy is found back in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 46. This is how you treated someone with leprosy. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The way you treated someone with leprosy was exactly the same way that you treated a corpse. The way you treated someone with leprosy was exactly the way that you treated a corpse. You don't touch it. You don't go near it. You do not allow it to remain in your home, in your village. You take that thing to the edge of town, outside the city walls, and you leave it there because it's dead. Now at one time, it may have been your mother, it may have been your father, your grandmother, it, it may have even been your child, but it is dead now. And that's the world of the man that we meet in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. It's page 861 in those Bibles in front of you. If you have the Version app, you can follow along there as well. And we need to understand, he's not just asking Jesus to clear up a rash. He's not asking Jesus simply to, to heal these sores that he has to make him look normal again. He is saying, I am dead. I am dead to my friends, I am dead to my family, I am dead to my community, I am probably even dead to my God. And there is no doctor who can fix this, no medicine that can make it go away. And so he asks, please don't turn away from me. I have no other hope. We read beginning in verse 12, while he, while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Did you notice he's in the city? Is the man with leprosy supposed to be in the city? Did you, do you know? No. He's already come at great risk to himself. He's come to a place he's not supposed to be. Uh, he's he's re-entered the city. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests. Make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus heals the man, but he does so much more. He, he restores the man. He restores him to his community. He restores him to his family. He restores him to his God. He restores him to a place of belonging. And something that we have to see in this story, something you and I need to notice for ourselves, is that Jesus does exactly what He said He would do in this story. When Megan was little, she had a picture Bible. I love this little picture Bible she has. She loved her picture Bible. And she would sit in her room and look at her picture Bible. She'd take it with her to church. Her favorite story in her picture Bible was not about Jesus, though. Her favorite story in the picture Bible was not Noah's Ark. It wasn't even David and Goliath. Megan's favorite story in her picture Bible was the story of Naaman the Syrian. Do you know the story of Naaman the Syrian? Yeah, that was my daughter's favorite story. It's in the Old Testament. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman is the commander of the army of Syria. I mean, that's an enemy army. That's, a, that's an enemy superpower, a foreign superpower. Naaman contracts leprosy, and suddenly he's, he doesn't have his job. He doesn't have his dignity. He doesn't have his power, his, his role in society. All of that is gone. But he hears that there is a prophet in Israel named Elisha and that Elisha can heal him. So Naaman travels to Israel to meet Elisha, but Elisha won't even give him the time of day. Elisha refuses to meet with Naaman. Instead, he sends a servant with the message. And the message is, go to the Jordan River and dip yourself in the Jordan River. How many times? Seven times. Seven times, Charles. Dip yourself in the Jordan River. Naaman says, we got rivers back home. <laughs> we got rivers back home that are a lot cleaner than the Jordan. Why on earth should I do this? Naaman was livid. You can see the picture. If you, if you see the picture, it's big guy wearing his armor. And if you look really close, he's got all these gross sores all over him. That was Megan's favorite picture in her picture Bible. I don't know what was wrong with that kid. I don't know where she got that. Uh, but uh, that's what she loved. That was her favorite picture in her picture Bible. And you read the quote, Naaman said, but, Na says, but Naaman said, I thought he would pray to the Lord. I thought he would wave his hand over my skin and then I would be healed. And so he went away burning with anger. But if you know the story, Naaman goes to the Jordan River and he dips himself not one time, not two times, not even six times. He dips himself in the water seven times, and on the seventh time, he comes up healed. And he's cleansed. The leprosy is gone. And at the end of the story of Naaman, this foreigner, again, this man who is not a part of the community, not, not a Jew, he says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15, Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. His skin is restored. His place in society is restored. His place with his family is restored. And he has confidence in God that he never had before. Now going back to Luke chapter 5, two chapters earlier in chapter 3, Jesus went to John the Baptist. John is baptizing. Where is John baptizing, by the way? The Jordan. Yeah. 
John is baptizing in the, in the Jordan River, the same place where, where Naaman was told to go dip himself seven times. John goes to, or Jesus goes to John to be baptized, dip, dipped one time anyway. One chapter earlier, in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was in Nazareth, his hometown, and he proclaimed his ministry. And in chapter 4, verse 18, quoting from Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And when the people reject Him, Jesus tells this story in verse 27. He says, And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Why does he bring Naaman up? Why does he bring up this story? I think he brings it up to remind us you cannot be so far away from God that He will not touch you. That He will not restore you. In this story, we read on in, in, in verses uh, 12 and 13. It says in verse 12, when He saw Jesus, He fell on His face and begged Him, Lord, if You will, You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left Him. In the video, you heard Him say, please don't turn away from Me. And I love the way Jesus responded in the video. He said, I won't. I love the stress that's on the word I there. I won't. Other people have turned away from You. Other people... Well, other people are still going to turn away from you, but not me. And Jesus reaches out and touches someone who was untouchable and cleanses even the worst impurity. I think most of us can trace a lot of our issues that we have in our own lives. We can trace a lot of our issues back to someone who rejected us. We can probably trace a lot of our issues back to someone who treated us like like we were dead. And so we need to hear what Jesus says to this man beyond his leprosy. We need to hear his pain. Hear Jesus telling him what, well, what, what we read in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You and I need to hear that. We need to hear that for ourselves. But someone you love needs to hear that too. Someone you love, all they've ever known, all they've ever known is abandonment. They've watched people turn away from them. And what they need to hear from Jesus and what they need to hear from us is that will never happen here. We will never turn away. That's a promise. There's a promise for those who, who seek Jesus' touch. And the promise is that you will never be identified by your failure. Now there's a footnote. There might be a footnote at the bottom of your page in your Bible. There's a footnote, usually every time leprosy comes up in the Bible, there's a footnote at the bottom that talks about leprosy. And the footnote probably says something like this, the Greek word was used for various diseases affecting the skin, not necessarily leprosy. Today we kind of have leprosy nailed down. We call it Hansen's disease. I mentioned on Facebook today, there's about 20,000 cases of Hansen's disease diagnosed every year in the United States. And what do you do? Well, there's three antibiotics you've got to go get, and, and there's treatments, but the doctor can take care of Hansen's disease, leprosy, today. But according to Jewish tradition, 
there were as many as 72 diseases that were categorized as leprosy. 72 different diseases that were just categorized as leprosy. And it wasn't a matter that you went to the priest and he examined you, he looked at the spots, and he said, well, you have leprosy, and you said, oh, which one? No, no, it didn't matter. Leprosy was, was leprosy. Every one of them, any blemish, any wound, the size and scope, you were marked as a leper. You were cast out. I went to college with a girl. Her name was Wendy. We started together a freshman year, and I remember meeting Wendy at freshman orientation, and I introduced myself, and I reached out to shake her hand, and Wendy shook my hand, and I, I kind of bristled. Something's, something's wrong. Her palm felt like sandpaper. It was dry, and it was rough, and it was itchy. And, and I asked, what's, what's going on with, with Wendy? And one of her friends told me that, that Wendy was born with this genetic disorder that caused her palms to be rough and flaky and itchy and dry. It's a very rare disorder. I was told that there's only a few hundred cases in the world of this particular disorder. And out of all of them, Wendy was the only one who only had it on the palms of her hands. Everyone else had it all over their bodies. Everywhere. It marked them. You, You likely wouldn't have noticed with Wendy unless you shook her hand. But you know, in Jesus' world, that would still be leprosy. In Jesus' world, Wendy would still be cast out. Marked as unclean, treated as though she was dead. One of Wendy's friends told me that she had an, in her room, she had a, an electric sander in her room. She had a prescription sander. Can you imagine having a prescription sander from a doctor? And she would use that sander to, to smooth out her hands when they got really rough. She'd smooth out the, the rough parts. And when, when Wendy would use that sander, she, you probably wouldn't have even noticed that she had a problem. And let's think about that. Most of us do a pretty good job of sanding out the rough spots. Most of us do a pretty good job of hiding our problems. We can, we can smooth things out. We can pass for, for normal. We can look like we are unmarred by the world. And unaffected by the hurts that other people have given us, unaffected by our our failures, the ways that we've been rejected, the way people have turned away from us. But but deep down, there is something in us that knows that we are broken, that knows that, that we are hurting, and if we let someone get too close, if they saw those broken parts, they they might just see it too, and they might walk away. And the thing is, we, we can't fix that. We can't fix those hurts because they're in the past. Those hurts are behind us. They're in the past. They are beyond our touch. And many times it was a hurt that was inflicted on us by someone else and we have no control over that. We have no control over what other people did to us, said to us, said about us. We have no control over that pain. And and so all you and I can do is try to sand down the rough edges and try to make ourselves look and feel presentable. That's not what Jesus does here with this man. Jesus doesn't give him a sander. (laughs) Jesus doesn't apply a cream. He doesn't give him a mask and say, here, no one will know if you just wear this mask. He reaches out and he touches him. You weren't supposed to touch lepers. He touches him. He heals him. Jesus takes away that which made this man an outcast. And what Jesus did for that man is exactly what we need to do for each other. There are people around us who need to know that they belong. You need to know that you belong. 
people believed that doctors could not cure leprosy. Only God can cure leprosy. And so to, to be cured, to be really cured, you had to go present yourself to a priest. Not to a doctor, you had to go present yourself to the priest. And so that's what Jesus calls the man to do. And in verse 14, He says, Go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. And again, I want you to stop and think about this. Show yourself to a priest. He's got to go to Jerusalem. He's got to go to the temple. He's got to go back into the world. He has to go from death to life. From the outside to the inside. He has to rejoin his community. He has to rejoin his family. It's not just a matter that he no longer has leprosy. It's not just a matter that his skin looks normal again. He is restored. In verse 12, he begged Jesus, you can make me clean. Hear that, because clean has nothing to do with the disease. Clean has everything to do with how he was treated in that society. It has nothing to do with the, with the disease and everything to do with his place in society. He, was, he belonged outside the walls with the unclean things, with the dead things. And so Jesus calls him to return to the temple. Let the priest examine him. Make the offering that Moses prescribed. Do your part to prove that you belong. I I think we need to hear that. I think we really need to hear that. Do your part to prove that you belong. This isn't just about being forgiven. This isn't just about having your sins washed away. This isn't just about being whiter than snow. You're now part of the community. You're now part of the family. You are no longer identified by your failures, your mistakes that that have cast you out. You are part of the family. You're part of the community. And the call is to be faithful to those that you belong to. I think it's a wonderful thing. It's obviously a wonderful thing that we can tell people they're forgiven. We can look at people's past and we can say, you're forgiven for what you did in the past. That is wonderful. I think it is amazing that we can tell people that they have a future in heaven. That their eternity is secured. But we need to talk about today also. What are you going to do today with your hope that you have now, with your wholeness that you have now? Today, you are a part of the community. Not just a place to worship. Not just a a place to, to worship, but a place to serve. A place to belong. And I think people need to hear that. I think people need to hear us say that as much as we say that they're forgiven. They need to hear that, they're belong, that they belong. They need to hear that they have a purpose here. That they have something of themselves to give, to contribute. That of their time, of their love, of their care, of their talents and their abilities. Jesus told the man, go show yourself to the priests. Prove that you're clean. Go to the place where clean people go. What would He call us to do? Where would He call us to go what would he call us to do to prove that we've been changed that we've been cleansed that we've come home and that we belong see when you encounter jesus you find a place to belong and you find a reason to belong you give jesus your failure he will give you his victory you give jesus your pain, He will give you His promise. You give Jesus your brokenness, He will make you whole. Whatever it is that holds you back, Jesus is willing to make you whole. Jesus is willing to make you clean. There's a wonderfully strange thing that happens at the end of this story. 
you look in verse 14, at the beginning of verse 14, Jesus charged him to tell no one what had happened. Tell no one what's happened. We've seen that happen before. It happens a lot, a lot in the Gospels. So Jesus heals someone and He says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody this happened. We've seen that happen before. And, and, and let's be fair. Let's be fair to Him. Nothing in the passage says that this man went out and blabbed. Nothing says that he, that he went out and told people. It never says that, but it does say in verse 15, but now even more the report about Him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear Him and to be healed of their infirmities. Who told? Well, I don't know. It doesn't say. But word spread and more and more people came to Jesus. You see, that's what happens when people find a place of healing. That's what happens when people find a place where they are valued, where they are loved, where they are included, and where they're told that they belong. They bring other people with them. When someone finds someone who makes them feel valuable, they will tell others. They will bring others. You want to see a church grow? You want to see a church grow? You, you, don't, need the, you don't need a fog machine. You, you don't need the light show. You don't need the hot young preacher. You don't. Okay? You need to treat people like they belong. You need to treat people like they belong to Jesus and they belong to us. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, for, for everyone, for everyone who is begging, please don't turn away from me. We pray for arms that are willing to reach out and for hands that are willing to touch. And we pray for hearts that show them that even through even though others have turned away, we won't. And the reason we won't is because you won't. We pray that through the way we love and welcome others, they would know your presence and they would know your purpose for their lives. You come to clean, you come to make whole, you come to give them a place to belong. And we are so thankful that we belong to You. And, and I'm thankful that, that we belong to each other. I pray we never forget that we belong to each other. And so bind us together. Make us one to Your glory. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And go in peace.